Welcome to Something Strange is Brewing on New England's News and Talk Radio, 830 WCRN. And so castles made of sand melts in the sea eventually. Now, here's your hosts for Something Strange is Brewing, Brian and Matt. Welcome to Something Strange is Brewing. I'm Matt. And I'm Brian. And we're here with Matt over at Castle Island Brewing in Norwood. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, so tell us about Castle Island. We're in Norwood, so we're not on Castle Island, but we're still here. So what can you tell us about it? Yeah, it would have been it would have been hard to build a brewery on Castle Island. The Boston Historical Society probably would have put a stop to that right away. I will say that the idea was to originally have a brewery in South Boston, but we quickly realized that the city wasn't going to be very conducive to a upstart manufacturing facility, and the real estate prices we learned pretty quickly as well were basically going to be out of our price range. So we started looking elsewhere, Cambridge, Quincy, surrounding towns and cities like that, and end up looking at um, this particular spot off of Route 1, and kind of knew right away uh, that it was a place for us. It was a pretty turnkey setup. We have the loading docks, we have the floor space, we have the high ceilings, we have the outdoor space that's fenced in, we have the parking. It had everything that we needed to be a distribution-based distribution brewery. And I'm happy to report, 19 months into operation, we've been very happy in Norwood. It's really kind of given us everything we've needed in order to operate so far. That was really the shocker to me when you said today there was 19 months. Uh, it seems like you've been around for longer. I've seen Castle Island. You keep showing up in my Facebook feed, and I do like to drink beer and follow beer. You're doing such a fantastic job, I mean, right out of the gate. I see Castle Island tons of places. I'm really enjoying it here today. Yeah, yeah. Happy to happy to hear that. That that's you know it's definitely being per- perceived that way. Um, you know we put a lot of effort into our social media. Uh, Joe Joe Fan, our our social media coordinator, does a great job and really kind of bring the brewery to life in a social format where you know if you follow our Instagram or our Twitter, you kind of feel like you kind of work here. I mean, he really kind of <laughs> gets in there and you know does a great job in sort of capturing little sort of moment. Those pictures make me so thirsty. When I see the can, yeah. like, but like lit from below or whatever, like, um, it's just like I want to drink the Castle Island. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, just, it, it's he, a great... He does do a great job of, of sort of making you want a Castle Island beer, for sure. Where's the best place, or what's your most active social media platform? Where can people go to find out? Or that would definitely Island? be a question for Joe, but I, I'm not on Twitter personally, but I know there, there's a lot of action there. Facebook and Instagram, for sure. I think Facebook is a little bit more kind of... Uh, intuitive in terms of being able to relay a lot more information um, but we found that Instagram can be pretty effective as well um, yeah, our website traveling with Castle Island and taking their pictures far and wide we've seen some of that yep um, you know because it's a perishable product we haven't seen any you know like Great Wall of China photos yet or the pyramids or you know the Leaning Tower of Pisa but challenge so accepted. challenge accepted yeah, everybody alright <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but uh you know, the brand is getting out there. You know, we're Massachusetts, we distribute Massachusetts only right now. Um, really no immediate plans to change that. We still think there's a lot of growth potential here in the state. We, you know, really want to, you know, establish uh, our brand here at home and really kind of dig in and, and kind of grow and, and, and kind of really saturate here in our home market before we start going out of state. So your approach has been a little different than some of the other starting breweries that we see, in that you didn't focus on a tap room right away. 
In fact, your tap room just opened last weekend. Yeah, our tap room was 18, 18 and a half months into our operation. It was something that we would have liked, I think, on day one, but we quickly realized that, you know, a lot of the money that we had at the time we needed to sort of put towards the build out of the brewery itself and, you know, marketing the brand and getting it out there, getting it on shelves, making sure the product is consistent and to our liking and, you know, the tap room would come when the time was right. It finally has and we're very excited that it's finally here and it's a great appendage to our business, not only as a marketing tool, but a source of revenue. You know, I think it really kind of makes the brand that much more tangible, you know, so now someone can literally come into the building and get a full pour of whatever beer we have on draft, where before it was just kind of free samples and beer to go. Now we encourage you to come down, take a tour, have a couple, you know, pour, have a couple beers, full pours, and, and really kind of, you know, immerse yourself in the environment. You know, everything's exposed, you see the tanks, you smell the smells, you, you, you know, feel the feels. We've been getting a pretty good pretty good response in the six days we've been open so far well i mean and it looks like it's just such a neat place to hang out you've got comfortable places to just sit around talk with your friends you've got uh, looks like cornhole games over there the big screen up on the wall i mean there is there is a lot over there that just makes you want to hang out and drink some beer with friends yeah yeah i think we kind of you know we wanted to keep it simple i mean just in general we we you know, Adam and I really like to kind of live by that keep it simple, stupid philosophy, <laughs> the, the, the Michael Scott kiss theory. <laughs> um, and we really just figured we'd just kind of have the basic things. The projector was a last-minute addition because we had that big, giant drywall. We couldn't get the art up fast yeah, enough. I mean, yeah, we figured out how cool would it be. It's a perfect sort of, um, you know, drive-in movie theater screen type thing where we could kind of use it to our advantage, whether it's... You know, as of, like right now, it's just movies without the audio, or and you can even watch TV from the brewery. Yeah, I mean, and, or, so, I mean, what yeah. you should be working, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So be honest, how many times have you just fired up Mario Kart on that thing? And just played full screen Mario. Not Kart? yet, only because we just don't have the console in house. But that's <laughs> that's actually something we really want to do, where we have you know, sort of video game theme nights and competitions and. And, uh, and even more, you know, on, on more of like a you know business level, I mean, we can host a distributor or an account, and we can put up a PowerPoint presentation, and, and or if someone wants to come in here and rent out the room, they have the ability to sort of you know do presentations and and use that projector, you know, for whatever they would like. Um, so it really is. I mean, that's a super for. versatile space, then. Yeah, and it tap, is. Tap room plus. We do other events here, in fact. Yeah, we actually have uh, a wedding this weekend, or, or I should say a reception uh, this weekend. It's our first it's our first one, outside of mine, which was back in October, which which, which was pretty incredible. I heard we, that was quite the soiree. It was, it was quite the soiree, yeah. <laughs> um, we really kind of uh, milked this this warehouse for pretty much all it was worth that night. Um, it was it was nine-piece band. Uh, we put lighting gels on all the bay lighting up here and, and um, you know it was it was it was pretty incredible. I mean it took it took the entire Castle Island team to, to help pull it off but it was you know everyone that tells me it was the you know best wedding they've ever been to. That's a great I space mean, you're here. Yeah it, it is. It, it's got a lot of character. I mean at first when we first walked in it literally was just a big empty room but um you know once you start putting stainless tanks in and once you get a tap room and some cool lighting you know, it really kind of really draws the eye. I mean, I exactly. walk in and I kind of look at the bar, and then I'm drawn like a moth to the, yeah, the giant fermenters. My first question is, is, what size is that? Is yeah. that 60? Yeah. What do you, think? <laughs> you know, and, and we, you know, our, our production staff, they're all, you know, great guys and all, you know, 
have a have you know some strong characteristics in terms of appearance and you know they're walking around and we got music playing and uh it it's cool i mean we really want you to feel like you're kind of part of the process when you're here um and you know we're excited to bring in that five barrel pilot system which which we which we should have later on this year which literally will get you even closer to the brewing process because we'll be doing our experimental batches you know right up sort of butted up right against the taproom space so you know that will all be right there uh, for you to watch, you know, and, and see sort of how we do things, which is great, and kind of get that inside look and kind of a, a sneak peek at, at what might be coming down the pike in terms of offerings. So one of the things that caught my eye as soon as we uh, came in was the, if you're not proud of it, don't ship it sign. And, and that's such a neat thing to see right up on the wall there in the face of everybody. They can see that and know that quality must come out of this place because it's right there. Yeah, yeah, that, that actually... That was sort of one of the the straws that broke the camel's back in terms of us deciding that this spot, this location in Norwood was was the right one for us. I mean, it was Adam and I kind of looked at each other. We were both in our we were both in our own cars after we had toured the place, and you know, I forget who was who said it first, but it was like that sign. You know, it was kind of literally a sign. It was an omen. It was like that. I think this is where we want to. This is where we want to call home. And you know, it was it was definitely um, not a difficult decision to just leave that up there, and it and it continues to hang, and it's it's sort of kind of you know in terms of you know sort of an inside company motto is is yeah everything that goes out this door we want to make sure is consistent and of the highest quality. Um, you know, I think that's kind of one of the things where in such a crowded craft beer market, I think consistency and quality is is, is paramount. I mean, it's it's a way for you to be able to really separate yourself from the rest of the market. And um, coming from Harpoon in Boston, I mean, quality control was something that you know those guys take very very seriously, and they do they do things right. And um, you know, I wanted to kind of take away the things I learned there and establish it here at Castle Island, and you know, make sure that everything is as fresh as possible when it goes out the door. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that can really inhibit a beer's potential. Um, we want to make sure we try to limit limit those things as, as best we can. And that sign's just a constant reminder to, to make sure that, you know, everyone's kind of doing their job. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, we're, consistency and quality, those are, those are two... Um, those are two things we really stress here. Well, I mean, the, everything we've seen so far has just been spectacular. We're going to take a quick break here, and uh, we're going to come on back and talk about some of that beer that you put so much time and effort into. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back with a little more Something Strange is Brewing. And so castles made of Now, Something Strange is Brewing continues on News and Talk Radio 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. Welcome back to Something Strange is Brewing. We're hanging out with Matt down at Candle uh, Castle Island. I just read Candle Pin off the beer menu there. Um, let's talk about the beers. You, you've got a lot over there. We do, there's, yeah. Uh, there are some serious beers on tap. So we, in total in that tap room, we have 16 trap lines. Mm-hmm. One of them is dedicated to cold brew coffee which we get from Karma Coffee out of Sudbury, Mass. We actually use Karma Coffee in our uh, limited winter release, Hearthside, which 
is sort of a companion to palm side, which we have on the menu here. <laughs> Two different versions, same base porter recipe, but um, with coconut rather than coffee. Uh, so out of those 16 lines, we've got 14 beers. Um, we will always have candle pin keeper and lager on draft here. Uh, those are sort of our quote-unquote flagship beers. Lager is basically uh, newest of the of the group to sort of join the rankings. We aren't sending lager out in the market yet, but maybe that could find some some uh, some some draft lines and some some shelf space in the in the future. But for now, we're kind of seeing how it does here. We we feel that lager. Uh, it's, it's a nice sort of easy drinking, not necessarily hop forward beer that we can offer here for, you know, the customer that wants to come and, you know, might not be into, you know, dark beers or hop forward beers or, or sours. It's a gateway beer. A gateway beer, yeah. exactly. And uh, that beer was, was sort of a uh, reiteration of, of, a, of a beer I brewed for my wedding called Bug Light that uh, <laughs> we just kind of, yeah, like, moved, you know, just slightly tweaked here and there, but for the most part. Um, the essence is the same. Candle Pin and Keeper, those are our two flagship beers. Candle I see Pin. two giant stacks of those cans over here. Yeah, so those are what we, those are what, you know, keep the lights on around here. Uh, those are what we send out the majority of. I mean, those are two, two flagship beers that we launched with. Candle Pin being a 4.4% hoppy session ale, Keeper being a 6.5% um, India Pale Ale. Uh, we call it a New Age IPA because we kind of take what we like from both West Coast and East Coast IPA styles and sort of blend them together. So we figured we call it a New Age IPA and kind of create our own little moniker for that. Okay. Um, being June, we have Jetty, our, our summer seasonal. Um, dry hop sour ale. Throw a little coriander in there at the end of the hot, uh, at the end of the boil. Uh, dry hopped with um, Cascade and Mount Hood, uh, which people think Mount Hood, that's a weird hop to kind of dry hop with. But we actually find it kind of gives a little bit of a nice earthy balance uh, to the aroma. That's really um, refreshing, that beer, especially on a hot day like today. Yeah, it is. And, you know, Jetty, you still get a lot of people that think they're not into sours or claim they're not into sours. And, you know, Jetty's that type of sour that you can have and actually be like, you know, this is actually isn't that bad. This isn't as bad as I thought it would be. It's, it's more of like a nice kind of pleasant tartness. And I like to kind of call it a gateway sour. So you're, you know, like, you know, with like the lager, you know, it's a, it turn you on to other things, maybe. You know? When it's Jetty, I feel like Jetty's a real sensory experience too, because it's really effervescent. You get hit with that nice little bit of tartness, but the brightness from the hops. I yeah. mean, it it hits you in so many spots. It's it's a yeah. real experience to drink it. And Jetty was our fir- first foray into kettle souring, um, and you know, we really weren't sure what we were going to get. And luckily, the first batch we did, we we thought was excellent. Um, and since then, we've kind of had, you know, we've definitely had some learning experiences in, in terms of how to properly kettle sour. Um, you know, whenever you're dealing with, with a bacteria like lactobacillus, I mean, you're really going to make sure that you have a buttoned-up process. So I felt that, you know, the, the beer itself has, has, um, has really kind of taken a step in the right direction in terms of what we're looking for in terms of, you know, the particular, you know, style. Um, TBD. We actually had a few kegs left over that we that we that we hung on to that we wanted to put on for the tap room here in Norwood. We have a, a very sort of um, th- that beer has a cult following. Uh, people actually, we just recently had to kind of correct it on the screen, but people just assumed that TBD meant that we didn't have a beer on that particular line yet, so they would just kind of glaze over it. Uh, but no, that actually is the name of the beer, TBD. So it has uh, been decided, and it is still TBD. It's still TBD. That sort of. Um, brief history of that is that TBD was the first beer we ever brewed here at Castle Island on our 30 barrel system. We knew we wanted to brew a big 
American stout and really kind of test the confines of that Alpha Brew Ops brew house. And uh, we, the brew day kind of suck up on us so quickly that we didn't even have a name for it. So literally on the brew sheet where the line for the beer name was, we just wrote TBD. And it kind of just stuck. I mean, we ended up packaging it and we put some effort into maybe coming up with a name with it but all our customers all our sort of the first wave that those you know those first people here in Norwood that came in to try the beer said oh well you can't change it now they won't you let know? you name it anymore yeah 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 you cast like, the die that's yeah, it well you guys you know we kind of you know sort of trusted them in that decision and TBD is just TBD and then the next two here uh, Mosaic dry hopped candle pin um, basically we're just taking our candle pin recipe and just dry hopping with Mosaic and kind that of a tasting room only bit. special there. It is. Yep. 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 And we do we did can it so you can bring it home to go, uh, and then took the same concept with keeper and but instead of our traditional keeper dry hop uh, hop bill, we just did strictly amarillo, hmm. which kind of brings um, a little bit more kind of a fruit forward dry hop effect versus the um, really kind of dank resiny piney character that keeper is known for. Uh, so those two are both available uh, available. Uh, another sort of variation, we did a jetty but with pomegranate puree. Um, that was pretty fun. We just kind of racked off some jetty during uh, mid-fermentation and added a bunch of, um, we, we boiled up a bunch of pomegranate juice concentrate, sterilized it, and then added it in and basically just researched the, the concentrate into the batch of jetty to really kind of give this nice sort of rosy looking beer with I mean, that, that's the way the to do it because getting those little seeds out of that pomegranate one at a time oh yeah that boy I mean, just there batch, that would take up, forever. That'd be a nightmare scenario it would take years yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know we just took a shortcut got some pomegranate concentrate in from a company called steve's they were able to get it get it to us like really literally at the last moment because if we had waited one more day then that batch probably would have fermented too low just and would have been, been straight up yeah and it, uh righteous goals a uh, sour blonde ale that we infused with guava puree so again we were trying to kind of pushing our pushing our scope a little bit in terms of the kettle sours that we do we, we have a lot of fun brewing those and designing this is an entirely recipes. different beer than the jetty though. this is an entirely different beer from the jetty different malt bill different hop bill featuring guava puree which we thought would be an appropriate fruit to do in a sour beer and this beer we actually brewed uh, in recognition of ALS ALS Awareness Month so the goals portion of the name is actually Guava Oats ALS did anybody so, do the ALS challenge while you were brewing that or you decided to brew the beer as the challenge instead maybe to yeah, not pull the bucket us, though, the, yeah I mean if someone wants to come down and, and buy up some pictures of ALS and, and, and pour maybe them on go over head, by that, the drain here and, and pour it all over themselves I, I think you know, we could probably get a good photo opportunity out of that. There you go. But that and, reminds me, uh, where can people find the beer? Obviously, you can come down to Castle Island yep. um, for the beer. But where else? Where's where some of the... How far does it reach? Uh, so, Massachusetts only for right now. I mean, the, the bulk of our product is, is uh, sold within Route 128 in, you know, Boston area. But uh, South Shore, Cape Cod, Bristol County... Um, up in the North Shore. And that's your finer package stores. If they don't have it, they're not a finer package store. Uh, yeah, I mean, it. actually, the, the nice thing about working with all these distributors is that we, we do end up in most stores. Um, I want to say in total, and I'll probably be corrected here, uh, but I think we're in over a thousand places between on-prem and off-prem accounts. So the beer is getting out the door and it's getting on shelves, which is, which is nice to see. Um, you know, I always look for it in certain stores, but I would tell you your typical craft beer uh or even so your typical liquor store will probably have either candle pin or, or keeper you so know it's four packs of the 16 ounce cans that's what you're going to find keepers in four packs candle pin we actually sell in six packs oh, because nice. it's a session beer so you're kind of getting 
for an extra dollar, you're getting two more cans of beer. So we try to pass that savings on to the customer. Being a session beer, you know, you're, you're more likely to drink a little bit more, you know. So we wanted to make sure that that made sense on the shelf mm. with the price point. Um, but yeah, on our website, you can you can actually go to, we have a beer finder on there, so you can just type in your zip code, it will bring up uh, our most current um, accounts that have it near you, whether it's a bar or a liquor store, um, or you can just give us a call and we'll try to maybe direct you ourselves. Good matchmaker, beer matchmaker, good yeah. place that you can go and find some Castle Island. Right, right, yeah, but it, it's definitely out there. Uh, and then the last two, uh, they're actually the same beer, but one is nitrogenated, palm side, I kind of briefly touched on that earlier but um that's our base porter recipe like our house porter recipe and this one we actually put in a a, a very substantial amount of, of toasted coconut flakes basically we we dry nutted it <laughs> uh, what we like to say and uh and um really gives us this what we've been hearing a lot is kind of like this like really pleasant almond joy experience when you drink the beer and, and it wasn't overwhelming and a lot of coconut beers i've had like one of my favorite home brews ever by the bottom of the glass was like my least favorite. It's, it tastes so much. good when yeah. it's like so. If it's too strong off the bat, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be tough to drink a pint of. So we actually uh, this is this is yeah we we brewed not. this beer for the first time last fall and we felt that it actually didn't have enough coconut, um, and we so we basically more than doubled the amount of coconut we put in it. It still it didn't overwhelm it at all. Like you said, it's just this nice kind of you know it's it goes definitely well with there, the nitro version. I really but it's enjoy. not gonna you know if you don't like coconut. You know, you'll still probably enjoy this beer because it really does work with the style and then the dark roasty chocolatey malts that we, you know, that we feature. And, and um, it's just a real nice, pleasant beer. And, and for summertime, a great dark beer to have in the lineup um, because it does sort of have a little bit of that sort of, you know, tropical kind of feel. And uh, we're really happy that we're able to get it, get a package in time for the opening last Friday. All right. Um, so yeah, that's so you get a that's good current lineup. Smattering on tap. We're well, gonna take another thirsty. Let's go. Yeah. We'll fill these glasses up. We'll be right back. Yeah, we'll be back with a little more something strange is brewing. You are listening to something strange is brewing on New England's News and Talk Radio, eight thirty WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. Welcome back to Something Strange is Brewing. We're down here at Castle Island. We're here with Matt. And, I mean, we are in the shadow of this row of fermenters. And behind it is another row of fermenters. And behind that is a giant brew house. What are the specs? Where to come from? Tell us all about it. So, we have a 30-barrel brew house. Uh, three-vessel brew house from Alpha Brew Operations, which is based out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, fairly new operation. Um, I believe we were their first New England customer. Um, and yeah, that, the brew house is a workhorse. Uh, great efficiencies. Um, we typically brew uh, two batches a day uh, when we're brewing, you know, so two to three times a week, sometimes four times a week. Um, and, you know, so 60 barrels a day. We have Four 60-barrel fermenters, one 30-barrel uh, fermenter, um, and a 60-barrel bright. That was our that was our first wave of, of tanks, and then since then we've added an additional 30-barrel bright and an additional five-barrel 60-barrel fermenters. So is most of this double batch, 30 to 60 of the same beer, or there's 30 barrel Yeah, 30 generally, barrel unless it's a limited release, it especially um, can open and keeper will be brewing 60 barrels at a time try to maximize our, our, our fermentation capacity. Um, 
seasonals as well, 60 barrels at a time. But, you know, for more of our limited release stuff, we will do the 30-barrel batches. Um, try to stick to F5, you know, the 30-barrel tank, but sometimes we'll just throw it in a 60-barrel fermenter, and, you know, it, it works out just fine. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we, we definitely do. We wanted to brew the scale out of the gate, and uh, which is why we wanted to go with 30-barrel, which has been... You know, pretty nice, pretty nice size for us. You gave so, yourself uh, a lot of room to grow here too. Yeah, yeah. It's a fifteen thousand square foot uh, warehouse that we're in. The initial five thousand square feet of office space. So, you know, as you can see behind you guys, I mean, we have basically a, a, a whole, so more than, you know, probably more than double of our existing production space available to us for for more fermentation. So we're only using a third of your space now. You say? Yeah, I would maybe even say. I mean, I guess if you include packaging, uh, you know, a third, I think would be, you know probably a good sort of estimate on what we're currently using but you've got some good height here too we so. do we do I, I think we really I think we wish we had maybe there. another 18 inches or so uh, <laughs> to get like 120 barrel tanks in here but um, you know it is what it is it, it, we're, we'll, we'll try to get as much capacity out of this out of this building as we can and then um, you know once it once it gets to the point where maybe we can't you know fit in any more then we can kind of start talking about hey like we're maybe maybe we build another brewery somewhere you know and that would be a very fun endeavor just considering kind of you know have gone through the process once before building a brewery and kind of you know knowing what we know now you know that i know adam it's something adam and i fantasize about all the time it's like oh that if we just knew what we know now. We move we, that. Yeah. The first, one of the first things I said is, wow, you guys have a lot of space down this aisle here. And I think I hit it in, in, a, in a soft spot. You said, yeah, too much space. <laughs> we yeah. would have crammed these yeah, uh, like we would have. Yeah, together. we would have pulled those first fermenters in probably, you know, a good five feet, you know, just by, I and mean, really it's it, it's a game of inches. I mean, it, you know. It does make for a comfortable workspace, though. You're it, not cramped over there. And you probably won't be cramped anytime right away because you have right, some room to move. Right, right. Um, yeah, we, we, we definitely have elbow room here which is nice but you know you, you really every inch is money really so it's you know you got to kind of fit in as much as you can but also keep it safe and, and keep it operable and, and you know you, your employees need to be able to spread out a little bit and, and you know, hook up pumps and, and hoses and you know you need stuff you need storage space i mean there's there's a lot of things you don't think about on paper like when you're kind of going through the initial planning um you've got a nice lab back there really um, a, lot, yeah. a lot of the people we've lab, said they, they have to claim to the smallest lab in, in, in the brewery world. I think four or five people have said that so far. Uh, yours is not. It's not huge, but it's a nice space. It's, it's nice, nice and space, clean. Yeah. It's all away from everything else. It, it formerly was a break room for the tenants that, you know, had this space before us. And um, it has just that lab look and feel. And, and you know, and it's kind of, it was a perfect sort of spot to put a lab for us and um you know we're used to saw the lighting in there it's like just that bright sterile light you know and we <laughs> we, we kind of you know there's, no, there's no lab some, coats it's just yeah. t-shirts and <laughs> yeah t-shirts and and boots know, and boots and you, know, you saw you saw charlie's boot warmer <laughs> yeah. some good boot warmers yeah. in there you know oh if that boot warmer could speak i'm sure <laughs> um but uh yeah no we we plan on you know I remember our harpoon, some of the most expensive equipment in the, in the building was in the lab, you know, and, you know, eventually we'll, we'll have sort of a, a you know, a full-time lab staff that really is kind of just getting into the thick of things on a micro level, and, 
you know, it's something more of an issue with the packaging there. brewery. Yeah, um, really need sure. to make I mean, sure six months down the road, if yeah. for some reason it hasn't sold, because uh, you really can't control it once we, it gets we, out yeah, of the market. We, we kind of are, are making sure we can we can measure uh, the the big picture things. Um, you know, do can weight seams, um, but a lot of it comes down to just sensory analysis, like literally. Just getting. That's the fancy word I was looking for. That's that's drinking, folks. Sensory analysis and sampling. That's uh, tasting. That's basically. But even drinking. that, I mean, there's a lot that's got to go into sensory analysis because everybody perceives things differently. To sort of be able to have, you know, a, a focused enough palate that you can really grasp onto little nuances, while at the same time remembering that the mass market may not be able to pick up on those things. Definitely. I mean, that is an art in of itself to be able to pull that off. It is, and the more you do it, the better you get at it, uh, but there's certain off flavors that I pick up, I'll, I can pick up right away, but then there's some that I, I, I can't, that maybe the guy next to me can, you mm. know, and um, and I, 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 well, I will say, and, and shout out to our production team here, I mean, for, for uh, the amount of guys that we have that are very green, that have never really worked in a, in a production brewery before, like, they're, they're, they under, they've been understanding, like, a lot, like, alright, yeah, this is what we're looking for. This is what our beer should taste like. This is spec, what keeper should taste like. You know, and then and using and, and building that palette. And um, just last week, actually, uh, Charlie, who you guys met, uh, we brought in a uh, an off-flavor test kit that Siebel Institute out of Chicago basically sells to breweries. And, it, and they, they fabricate all the off-flavors that are the common off-flavors in beer. So you can buy a bunch of, you know, these Basically, little vials of, of mystery exactly, chemicals yeah, that make you your beer a, taste bad. You buy a thirty pack of Bud Light or, or you know some light beer, and then you spike them. And hmm. you know you do it to a certain threshold uh, that apparently the human tongue is, is supposed to pick up. And you know this is a way that so we can sort of train our guys to be able to recognize any particular off flavor that might that might be thrown at us. Um, it's a know. very useful day to have, and everybody should have those skills, but not as fun as the let's try this great new beer days. Yeah, sure. no, no. Well, that's why after every sensory analysis, the end, we always throw in a treat. So we, a treat being, a, a, you know, uh, a, a good beer, a, a beer probably, you know, maybe a nice import from Germany. A, re- a reward. Or, you know, yeah. Like a Sorry we did this to you. Yeah, yeah, like a nice New England IPA from, you know, Treehouse. Or, you know, something that, like... If you can still taste it, this is delicious beer. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, thanks for all your hard work. All right, Apologize here, to your palate. Here's a couple of treats. And, then, you know, it's just a way to kind of relax and be like, talk about beer again, you know, in a fun way. Do you, you know? made you drink three Budweiser's in skunk yeah. flavor. It's, yeah. you know, Do you have an off flavor that just totally is is your enemy? Like one that, that hits you and you're so sad. Yeah, That's diacetyl. Like, diacetyl. Uh, that, that, that butterscotch AMC movie theater popcorn. Mm, doesn't you know. belong very many places. No. Maybe a brown ale. Or? No, diacetyl bumps me out. I, I mean, I'm very, I'm wicked sensitive to uh, to oxidation now. Just being in the industry for so long, I, and I'm kind of spoiled. I, you know, when I drink beer, usually it's <laughs> you know seven days old. You know, I'd it, like it, to drink it. I, I like to say if it's not off the bright tank, it's not fresh. Yeah, so I can tell you. You work <laughs> in the industry. You know what it's like, and you know. Luckily for us, as a as a company, as a business, I mean, the general public you know, won't perceive that right away. Um, for example, I went kayaking with a bunch of buddies a couple weeks ago, and I had this, it was a four-pack of Keeper that was just literally kind of left over from a tasting and was sort of in the back of my car and it was tucked away. And, you know, we had that really hot mm. string of days. And 
can be really hell on a beer. Yeah, and you know, this keeper was just sitting back there, and, and you know, I was kind of as we were getting ready and packing up the car, I was yelling at, it, and I was like, "Hey, um, make sure you grab some keeper, like, because I had some in a in a case that was like on the other side of the car." But he saw that four pack right there, so he grabbed <laughs> it. You know, honest mistake. And um, you know, I realized that the batch that I thought he was taking, I was looking at the date code that you know that wasn't the cooler, but he ended up grabbing the one that was that was bad and. And, you know, it was old. It wasn't horribly old, but I could tell. I was like, this beer's been warm. It's been, like, you know, it's it's not what it should be. Things have and, gone uh, wrong I was here. like, oh, it wasn't horrible, but but uh, I picked up on it right away. And then, but he didn't notice a thing. Like, he loved it. Like, you know, he doesn't work in the business. And I was like. He's not overanalyzing it. It's no, like when you do a home home repair project. Everything's perfect except that one little nail in the corner that one didn't go in yeah, straight. That's the one the, that you see, and you're like, I hope nobody sees that right. when they come to inspect it. Nobody cares because everything's great. Yeah, Gap in the, the tile floor is just over a quarter of an inch. So yeah, that brings no. me to my next question. I'm going to let you think about it over the break here. Um, but if you could tell us what's the best and what's the worst beer you've ever brewed. Okay. And we'll be right back with the answer. Something strange is brewing. <laughs> You're listening to Something Strange is Brewing on New England's News and Talk Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. Welcome back to Something Strange is Brewing down here at Castle Island in Norwood. And uh, we've been talking about the brewery and the beer and the equipment. And we got to know what happened. Where? Well, you, Brian, you, you go yeah, from here. We've got Where's, some time to think about this, yeah, Matt. We've, we've I'll ask this very, very personal question one more time. What's the best beer you ever brewed and what's the worst beer you've ever brewed? Uh, the best beer I ever brewed... Um, when we released Vern for the first time last year, I thought that was the best beer I had ever brewed. Um, it was, it, it was, it's a weed IPA that we released right around springtime. It's one of our springtime limited releases, which, you know, this year we actually had put out in, on shelves and cans, um, whereas last year when it debuted, it was just a brewery-only thing. But, uh, you know, being, being a wheat sort of focused beer, it had this just, like, it wasn't really even the hoppiness of it. It was just the, 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 the malt bill, the, the malt feel. So pillowy and inviting and just a great canvas for, you know, like a, like a juicy, you know, fruity, fruity IPA. And I, it was kind of one of those moments where, you know, we had just first tapped it in, in the old tap room and I was kind of having my first two-ounce pour of it. And, uh, you know, I was, I was just really proud of myself. You know, the recipe itself was designed by Adam and I. You know, it's a collaborative effort, but... Um, you know, marketing of the beer is just as important as the beer inside. And, you know, if they never try it, it doesn't matter how good it is, right? No, yeah, you so know, you gotta, so you got you got to be able to get them to take it out of the cooler mm. and you know take it home. I love the loud and proud. You know, I, I know you said that it, you were uh, you were looking to do something in Boston um, at one point or in and around the city. That's such a Southy mentality, right there. <laughs> loud and proud. Yeah, this is it, exactly, you know, you know it's, it is. I mean, you want to, you know, Dorchester, Quincy, South yeah, Boston, we're, all we're, in a nutshell. Yeah, like, we're, we're proud. We're, we're definitely proud of our brand, and we're, we, you know, I think, you know, it's it, we're, we're not just a, a beer, but we're kind of, 
you know, we're trying to build a brand, you know, and, and everything a brand encapsulates. And, you know, there's also, there's kind of like a lifestyle behind it, you know, and, you know, how that's portrayed, whether it's in the can or if it's on our social media or if it's, you know, in the beer itself. I mean, it all is interrelated and interdependent on each other. And, and, so, uh, so we've talked about, you have, you've, you've done a lot of things to be proud of here. Every, I, I want to know. Tell me that one beer you're not so proud of. Yeah, what's the worst, beer, what's you the worst beer you ever brewed? Um, so I, I don't have to say a Castle Island. I can say whatever. Oh, you I can want. say whatever you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I've had everything. Everything I've, I've had here yeah, today is best everything I've done here. I'm gonna need a ride home. Everything I've done at a commercial level, I've, I've been I've been pretty proud of. Um, I remember when I, I was started as started as a home brewer. I mean, I'm gonna take the easy way out here. I remember I remember with one of the first. I remember one of the first, when I first started homebrewing, me and my friend Jameson did a beer called Everything But the Kitchen Sink. So you can imagine that we're not off to a great start here. It's like that goat's grow to mail. Like yeah, the- it was. Oh. And, like, you know, we we didn't know anything. And uh, all we knew all we knew was that, like, you know, you're supposed to, like, get some water boiling and you throw in the syrup and you stir it. But you don't and then you get bored, it. so you want to throw in more things. Like yeah, the right. Says. And that's honestly what happened. I mean, we were, we were like... You know, we were probably a few beers deep ourselves during the brew day, and we're like just going through my kitchen in Burlington, Vermont. And we're like, oh, let's add this in, and let's add this in. And the first few bottles we opened were, oh, this isn't bad. This isn't bad. But I remember that the beer tasted so bad that it actually, like, I remember exactly how it tasted in my mind. That I know that it was literally like everything that could possibly go wrong in a beer went wrong in the beer with that particular. It was a uh, diacetyl, skunk, it, it was, phenolic. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, I guess you would call it a stout. I mean, that was our. It was dark. That was our intent, but it, it was yeah, it was dark, uh, and it, it just you know I don't think we did. It, did it get a name? Uh, everything but the kitchen sink. That was so. right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Drinking everything but the kitchen sink. Today, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, and you know it was just one of those things. I mean, there was some stuff I did, uh, you know, on like there's been stuff that I've done like on like little like Sabco systems and, and you know and little uh, you know stuff on the side that just like doesn't turn out the way you hope or or maybe you get you you know you have a loose grommet on a fermenter and you get the acid aldehyde type thing and yeah. you know we're like <laughs> if you see a beer called pellicle don't drink it yeah no. <laughs> yeah um you know there's been stuff and i and but i will say you know there's definitely been stuff that i've done here that we've dumped you know just because it's we're so young that you can't risk your reputation this early in the game by putting out a subpar beer and you know mm-hmm. It kind of goes back to that sign there, and you know, it was something like, "Yeah, it, we're spending X amount of money in raw materials here, but do we really want to risk building reputation this early in the stage as brewing a subpar beer?" You know, and it, a lot of the mistakes were just kind of just not, you know, just kind of like either it was like a bonehead move or it was just like faulty equipment that we're working out, and you know, it was. Uh, Drinkable, yeah, but a, not good enough. It's drinkable, a, but just, yeah. Nothing you want to be proud of selling. So if you won't was, sip it, don't ship it. Right. And, well um, you know, those are always those are always tough decisions to make. But So you what know. are some of your favorite styles of beer? Or more importantly, if I were to go to your fridge, what would you have in your beer fridge at home? I like, I definitely love IPAs. I mean, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I definitely fall into that, you know, your typical... American craft beer drinker. I like a well-executed IPA. It doesn't have to be the hoppiest beer, but as long as it's balanced, you know, uh, fresh, 
I don't. You have fresh great balance in these beers here today. There's well, some hoppy beers. I mean, you even have a hoppy cream ale, uh, but still, it's not over the top. It's, no, it's, we want to keep it balanced. I mean, I think that's. Smooth. I think that's kind of where where craft beer, at least in this part of the country, is going. You know, like really try to keep it balanced. And, you know, really try to. You know, yeah, be expressive with hop character, but you know, try to keep the bitterness at bay and. and uh, that's kind of the beer really the beers that we brew are the beers I love to drink you know balanced uh, yeah American ales um, and and we're really kind of starting to get into the lagers and the sours which are you know sours in particular are stuff that you know I've had to kind of you know mature to be able to really kind of understand and appreciate especially from a brewing standpoint um, and there's some of the more fun beers now that we brew um, and then the double IPA style as fun as they are to, to um to drink are, have become very fun challenges for us as a production team to brew as well because we're, we're sort of, you know, incorporating techniques that are, you know, sort of modern and, and, and uh, you know, unheard of, and, you know, I think to the rest of the world and, and trying to basically, you know, create a, a beer that almost, I feel like if it keeps going the way it is, like, you can't even call it an IPA anymore. It's going to be just something completely different. I mean... Um, you know, that's one of the great things about being a brewer uh, in 2017. I mean, we're really riding that, that, that wave. That, the, the beer, the crappy renaissance is, is here, you know, whether you, whether you agree with that or not. I mean, it's, it's, we're in the renaissance of crap beer. I mean, it's, it's incredible what, what guys are doing out there. Uh, so with that said, what's next for Castle Island? You have a just opened last weekend tap room, so that's brand new. Yeah. 19 months in, so every beer, you, most of the beers you make are, are, are brand new beers. Everything's fresh and exciting. But what's on the horizon? What's the next step? The, the one thing that we're excited about here is, is the implementation of our five-barrel pilot system. Uh, that's really going to be able to give us the, uh, the freedom to really kind of get down and dirty with experimenting with beers. And then kegging that beer and then, you know, using the taproom as a place to showcase that beer and to kind of gauge our, our regular customers reaction you know like so you got that folks you can be very important and integral in the development of the castle island beers yeah. oh, come on down to the brewery uh, which is located where what's the address again? we're located at 31 astor ave in norwood mass we're about 30 minutes southwest of boston just off route one kind of equidistant between gillette stadium and legacy place in dedham right in the thick of the auto mile here which is great we get a ton of cars going by the brewery you know every day you won't see it from route one but we're right off of moore street which will take you to astor ave pretty easy to find oh yeah yeah, anyone with a smartphone can find it pretty easily once you turn over to astor i mean you can't miss it i mean it's right there so yeah not too difficult within that arm's reach of Boston. And then you That's must have great. almost summer. You got some summer beers on the way? Yeah, well, we got Jetty. We have yeah, um, What, what else? is summer? We, we what have am a, I talking about? Summer. It is summer. Summer is now. Degrees here yeah. today. We're drinking we the actually Jetty. have one more. You know, we actually haven't made any public statements on it yet, but we do have an India Pale Lager. And it's actually a New England-style India Pale Lager, which I haven't seen yet. Charlie and I designed this together, Charlie, our lab tech, and calling it Strange Arrangement. It actually is going to be released in on both draft and in cans to the public. It's a limited sort of summer seasonal release that we're going to do. 6.2% IPL featuring Centennial and Citra hops, like just big, just big aromatics. And, you know, but it will, it will be a lager, but it will still kind of have that hazy sort of appearance and, and juicy, mm. juicy mouthfeel and double dry hopped. I mean, the whole nine yards. This is the one we're just kind of, you know, hey, we're going to have fun with this. We'll actually, we'll, we will sell it outside the, the brewery wall and, and see where it goes. But that's definitely 
what we're looking forward to next. I mean, that's exciting. I mean, we'll be patching, packaging that. I look forward to that one. You know I love yeah. Strange Brews. Absolutely. <laughs> so the Strange Arrangement is right up your alley. Right on. So Actually, we're, uh, quick shout-out to, to, to Mayor Hawthorne and his debut album, Strange Arrangement. That's kind of how I, how I came up with the name. I just thought it would probably be a great name for the beer. So. I like it. Can't wait to try it. Yeah, well, we're uh, we're just about out of time for today, but hey, thanks so much for letting us come hang out and, and uh, being on the show with us. Castle Island's been a hoot. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. If you folks haven't been out here yet, you got to get out to Castle Island. Absolutely. Check it out. Try some of these beers. Hang they're out in the tap room. For sure. Everybody out there, we'll catch you next week right here on Something Strange is Brewing. Cheers. You've been listening to Something Strange is Brewing on News and Talk Radio 830 WCRN.